Today our theme is worship at the temple, and so we're going to be reading uh, from Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. This is a reading of where Peter and John go to the temple to worship and pray. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in each day He was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people that were going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, neither silver nor gold do I have but I'll give you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up and stood on his feet and began to walk. Then walking and leaping and praising God, He went into the temple with them. This is the reading of our Lord. Last week, we looked at the theme of worship at home, and we were focused on the very end of the second chapter of Acts, those verses 42 through 47, where it talks about how the disciples and those early believers, that first early church, would gather together in homes And they gathered around the teaching of the apostles. They gathered around table fellowship, meals with one another, which included the Lord's Supper. It also was a gathering of fellowship and a a gathering for prayer. Those four different things happened in these house churches, in this home worship. Now today, Peter and John are going to the temple to pray and to worship God. And as they are on their way there, they confront this man who they have probably seen there before. He was probably there when Jesus would go into the temple. It says that he had been lame from birth and that he was sitting in front of that gate for years. So as they were going into the temple, they saw him begging for help. And so they gave him the help that he needed. As Peter and John were going to worship and to pray to God. Now, I would have to say that over the last 100 years or so, especially, our focus as churches has been on worship at the temple or worship at the, the church, worship at the public space, worshiping in this room, where I am at today. We measure the size of our buildings. This is why I know this to be true for the last century. We, we don't measure what goes on in the home. We measure the size of our buildings. We measure the, the value, the assets of our ministries. We measure the numbers of worshipers that are attending. We, we measure the number of members. We measure the influence that our churches have in our denomination. 
And so we have been focused on being a church that gathers in the public space. We have made it even kind of humorous, picking up on some of the little uh, quirks of each congregation. When I came to New Covenant, the pastors in this northeast part of the valley, the Lutheran pastors that knew this congregation pretty well, used to tell me that they referred to New Covenant as the country club church. Well, I think I've probably demolished any sense of country club church once you see my golf game. But um, in the sense of, of their sense of humor, they were trying to tell me that this is the public image of New Covenant. And so that is how we have kind of identified our congregations over the last 100 years. Maybe this church has, you know, trained tons of pastors, or maybe this church has done all kinds of phenomenal mission work. So there is a role for the public gathering, and there is a role for the public worship. It is a church that gathers publicly and worships God and prays to God. And so one might say that over the past century, we have been truly a gathering church, a public church of worship. We have not been a scattered church, a church that is persecuted, a church that has been threatened, a church that has been relegated to be only at home. Well, maybe until the last couple of months. <laughs> but the point is, is that in our modern history, we have not been a scattered church. And so this is a whole new experience for us. We are accustomed to the public worship. We are accustomed to gathering at the temple. But if you go back to our history, in the early church, those first three centuries, that early church was identified primarily, almost exclusively at that time, as a scattered church. They were threatened. And on all fronts, they were, they were threatened uh, politically. The Romans did not like this sectarian group of Jews, and they didn't really care for any of the Jews, but the, the Christians, the way they called it back then, um, that was particularly problematic for the Romans. And so they persecuted the Christians. We also know that the religious leaders, the Herodians, um, and also the Sadducees, um, began their persecution in terms of their crucifixion of Jesus and their intense uh, persecution of the early church continued then. Thankfully, Peter and John and the other disciples continued to go to that public worship space, to the temple. And even though they were encountering these these um, obstacles to their worship. They were being set aside economically. They couldn't get support uh, from the temple. They were um, set aside so socially within the first 250 years. The early church, as well as the Roman Empire, experienced two um, very intense plagues, killed 
um, some reports from 20 to 30% of the population each time. And so this early church was a scattered church, and that was where their comfort level was. Like our comfort level may be at being the gathered church in the public space. Now, in spite of this persecution and exclusion, Peter and the other disciples still went to the temple to worship and pray. It was three in the afternoon. It was a worship service, a prayer service that accompanied the evening sacrifice. In the church, we gather like Peter and John and the other disciples gathered, and there are particular reasons why we gather. I mean, for some, it may be the coffee and the fellowship time. For some, it may be gathering for Holy Communion. For some, it may be the Word of God and hearing a sermon. Uh, but when we think about why we gather, we all perhaps have a little different perspective on why we like to gather publicly for worship. Theologically, one of the reasons why we gather for public worship is that when we worship, it helps to form our beliefs. I remember when I went to seminary, one of the first books I had to buy and read was a book called Lex Orande Lex Credende, which is a Latin phrase that was developed by, um, by St. Augustine. And what it meant was the rule of worship, the rule of prayer particularly, will shape or form the rule of belief. And so when we gather for worship, we are gathering because this gathering of prayer and praise to God helps to form and inform what we believe. Many years ago, I actually did a, a research paper, a, 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 a thesis on this particular um, issue focused on Lutherans' understanding of Holy Communion. And one of the interesting things that I discovered was that when you introduce different aspects of the liturgy of Holy Communion, it didn't make any difference because the Luther. So if you, if you, if you shared some um, Catholic perspectives on Holy Communion from the liturgy, if you shared some Protestant perspectives to a bunch of Lutherans, it didn't make any difference because the Lutherans had been so thoroughly formed, <clears throat> excuse me, in their growing up years of what Holy Communion means from their worship practice that the new language didn't influence their understanding of communion. <clears throat> so we, we gather, and this is an important reason, we gather because as we gather, we practice what we believe. And what we believe then helps to inform our practice. One of the adverse understandings of this might be when we stop gathering for worship, that that can begin to form a new belief or a, a, a new rule of, of, of belief. And so as we are separate from one another, we don't know what kind of influence that is going to have. Thankfully, we don't think it's going to be a long-term uh, separation, uh, but that's one of the questions that, you know, kind of nerdy people like me have when we talk about theology. And so, Lutherans have a particular understanding of worship. 
And that's why we like to gather together for worship. Because we hear the words that have informed our understandings and our beliefs of God for years, for generations. Now, as we think about gathering for worship in the future, as we begin to talk about gathering for worship in the future, and we are beginning to have those conversations, these concepts are really important and valuable and helpful to be thinking of the church in terms of being gathered, but also scattered. Um, the, 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 the church being worship at the temple, but also worship at home. When we think about these concepts like lex arande, lex credendi, what we pray is what we believe, um, they, they help us to understand more clearly what we can live with and what we can live without as we worship together. So there are a lot of questions, and I wrote a few of them in my e-weekly letter to the congregation this week, and I may have freaked some of you out. And if you're one of those people who are freaked out, I apologize. I didn't mean to upset anybody, but um, these are questions that we are being asked to, to work through. What about masks? Will you wear a mask to come to worship? Will you be socially distanced when you come to worship, six feet apart? Um, will there be offering plates? That's apparently one of the quickest way to spread germs is an offering plate. Will there be singing? When you project your air into the atmosphere here, into the air, how, how do we know if someone has been ill or not. So these are all questions, and certainly no decisions have been made on any of these things, um, but these are the kinds of questions that we'll need a team of people to work through as we envision and then implement our back to worship. And so when we think about worship at home and worship in the public space at the church, we are reminded of how it will look different. And we have to be prepared for some of that difference that we will experience. In the same sense, what will your home worship look like? My hope and my prayer is that just because we can gather for worship again sometime this summer, I hope that doesn't mean that the worship at home then goes away. We will continue to stream worship services not everyone will be able to attend, and so we'll have that opportunity for streaming worship. We'll also be um, inviting you to think about uh, weekly devotions and prayers. How can you as, as individuals, how can you as families um, integrate this opportunity of worshiping together at home? Discussion questions that you might have as a family in terms of some of the the themes and the topics that have been discussed in the message. These are all important questions for us to ask in the context of our worship at the church and in the context of our worship at home. And I am working on developing some new resources that hopefully can help our worship at home opportunities. Um, a couple of the things that, that we are working on is discussion questions for the sermons. Um, I'm also working on 
doing a weekly blog that would relate to our daily texts so that at least one day a week uh, there'd be a, a devotional uh, from our daily text for me online that you could listen to. Uh, the redevelopment of our prayer and our healing ministries. All of these things are going to be important. But they're important not just because that they will inform our worship at home or our worship in this space. They're important because they will form who we are as Christians, as followers of Jesus, as disciples. As we think about these things, before I finish the message here today, I'd like you to listen to this song that I think talks about how will we build this new experience of faith. 